Welcome to Day Zero Update for July 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Parkin. I'm Felipe Donolfo. And I'm Daniel Victorio. Yeah, we got a full crew this week uh, with a bunch of stuff to talk about. Been mm-hmm. a, kind of a busy week for gaming, I have to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a bunch of news, a bunch of layoffs, mm. uh, some weird stuff happening with CD Projekt Red trying to gaslight everybody. Uh, uh, we got some uh, releases coming, uh, some from mm. the Annapurna Interactive Showcase, mm. uh, some neat stuff in there, as well as some dates and such. Uh, the game got simultaneously moved up on one platform and delayed on another, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some other stuff that's been happening. But before we talk about that, we'll talk about what we've been playing, and I'll kick it off here. Uh, I've been playing some more Final Fantasy uh, 16. Mm-hmm. enjoying that a lot. Um, I think I got to the part of the game where now they intentionally show you side quests, because uh, there's a, a good chunk of the first, like, five, six, seven hours that uh, it just... It's like, we're doing main quest stuff here, and that's it. We're not doing anything else. Uh, Then you essentially have a certain somebody uh, become a party member, and you're like, all right, now you can do all the the weird shit. Not even really weird shit, but uh, just like people giving you busy work, essentially. Uh, So I've not seen any that seem... All that amazing, though they do tell you up front, like, hey, there's a, there's a special icon for when these give you, like, good stuff. Uh, permanent items or stuff like that. Uh, so that might be something to keep an eye on for me, but right now I'm just doing whatever, because it doesn't really matter to me too much. Mm. Uh, but enjoying it. Story stuff has been pretty good. Uh, one revelation has happened that I was kind of expecting. Uh, we'll see how how that goes. Although there's other stuff that I'm like, okay, this, I guess I know who this person is now. I'm pretty sure unless they're going to do something weird. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, basically got to another town outside of uh, Rosaria uh, and I'm doing some stuff there. So that's been pretty much it for that one. Um, Let's see. Also, been playing Kingdom Eighties. This is the the newest game in the Kingdom series. Of uh, you know, essentially like base building strategy games of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, but instead of being set in like medieval fantasy times, it is set mm-hmm. in the eighties, uh, yeah. with a very kind of Stranger Things kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, oh, you're you're you know a descendant of the of the royals from the previous games. Uh, uh, complete with like a, a big crown that you wear or like it might be a, a crown backpack or something like that but you get to ride on bikes mm. instead of horses and yeah. sort of the uh, the big bad uh, whatever they call them the, uh, the bad uh, slime guys are, have sort of appeared in town and you're sort of going around uh, taking them out to Accomplish your goals. Uh, this is a little bit more of a linear game than the others, uh, mm. which were more sort of open uh, survival-ish kind of things. But here you kind of have set goals in each of the areas. Uh, and so like the first one's like, they took our canoe. We got to get that back so we can, mm-hmm. you know, get out of this area kind of thing. And you're uh, even specifically uh, setting up a big like dumpster uh 
yeah, that you're able to move around have uh, one of your people as you, you know, kind of exploring around, you're getting new people in your crew. So I have like a, a girl that does uh, tech stuff or more mm. building stuff. Uh, you have your sporty jock who's the one that pushes the, the dumpster around. And I just got a, a tech nerd who uh, sits up like robots and shit. Uh, and that's what he does when you go on the the siege stuff, which is what you do with the, the dumpster. And so, like, we just kept mm-hmm. going around. Uh, your like uh, minions of sorts are uh, these kids that show up, uh, so you can hire them and set them on uh, either archer jobs or builder jobs. Uh, so they go around and build stuff for you as you go mm-hmm. around, or you uh, give them archers. Uh, bows and they go around and hunt animals to get you uh, money for that kind of stuff but when you go on the siege like seven or eight of them get behind the the dumpster as you're sort of pushing through and the first time it's pretty easy you're just going through this cave and kind of uh, going around and you just want to keep the the dumpster far enough back to act as a shield so they can you know have a defense against the the enemies that spawn kind of thing um yeah, the first one's pretty simple. Uh, once you get your uh, your canoe, you're kind of going right to the next uh, section, which they break us up into episodes. So I'm in mm-hmm. episode two, uh, which is also what the demo during uh, Summer Game Fest was all about. I was oh, that. Yeah. Uh, so I did a video on that and died pretty quickly because I did not uh, have all my mechanics down for it just yet. But uh, with this one, uh, I managed to... Get through, for the most part, you're trying to get this bridge fixed, and mm-hmm. sort of as your your tech guys fixing it, you know the the enemies are sort of swarming in over it. It's not really broken; it's just you know it's one of those split bridges that yeah. somebody left up. So your your tech guys like hacking into it to get it lowering, but enemies are str- you know coming over it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bizarre, got a really cool vibe to it. Having the the other people uh, with you is pretty cool. Um, when you're doing the the typical stuff, not your sieging, uh, just hanging out in your base at night, they'll go run out and mm-hmm. take out enemies for you, uh, kind of stuff. Because you can't do any attacking on your own. All you're doing is paying for you know stuff to get built or destroyed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of all management there. But uh, these three kids you have are able to do some cool stuff. So mm. it's a uh, it's pretty cool. It's cheaper than the other games. It's I think twelve bucks instead of twenty or twenty five yeah. like the the other games have been. Uh, so it's single player. I think the others were had or at least the last one had co op to it. Um, yeah. But this is a bit more linear kind of thing. I think it was potentially an, an expansion that they said so like maybe we should just make this standalone kind of thing. So uh, it's pretty neat. I'm looking forward to put some more time into it. So that's been. That's been a fun one. It's only on PC right now. I thought it was supposed to come to consoles as well, but I think I've said that's going to be later this year mm. for that stuff. But uh, that's been cool. Uh, then there's Power Wash Simulator, which has the new uh, expansion to it, the special pack that is SpongeBob SquarePants uh, themed, where you're going down to, you know, under the water to uh, the various locales, Conk Street, uh, the Krusty Krab, uh and the Mermelair, as well as the vehicles, the Bikini Bottom Bus, the Paddy Wagon, and the Invisible Boatmobile uh, are the, the six new uh, locations. 
as you get and you get all the fun stuff. Uh, they've done a really good job with the, uh, the visual stuff with that, uh, these areas. So it looks just like the, the show does, uh, with the, the backgrounds and all that, uh, works out really well, uh, for it. And like the, the invisible boatmobile is also really cool because it's invisible, but it's covered in dirt as you start. So as you clean it, it gets invisible, which makes it a little bit tough to see the, the dirt on the different parts, but, uh, it's not too hard for it. Um, yeah, eight bucks for this, six maps, ten new achievements. Uh, for whatever reason, on Steam, they made them all hidden uh, for yeah. some reason. I think it may, it may show them as you start getting them. I don't know, but I ended up just using the, the new Steam feature with notes uh, where you pull up your little uh, game menu that's essentially just trying to copy the, the Windows gaming uh, thing that, that you can pull up with the Windows key plus G, I think. Yeah. Where you can show up some extra things for like, oh yeah, I'm gonna capture some stuff or you know, I wanna show my you know, system stats or show me the achievements or whatever. You can kind of do that yeah. with the new Steam stuff. Uh but I essentially found a guide's like, here's what the achievements are since they're hidden for some reason. And yeah. I just copy those into the notes and I could check it whenever I went to one of the new maps. So uh but yeah, it's it's really cool. It has a lot of references. Uh, I don't get a lot of them, but uh, I do get some of them. Mm-hmm. I have not seen too much of the show. I've seen various episodes, but uh, I don't f- feel like subscribing to. I think it's Paramount Plus that has it right now yeah. to watch all of it. So uh, I'll watch it at some point. But this mm-hmm. is a this is a good one for people that enjoy that show, or just people that like the game want more maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for it, so that's cool. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, the other game I played is Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Uh, that also mm. uh, came out earlier this week. Uh, that is uh, uh, kind of a cult classic DS game uh, that came out I think it was about 2011, I think it was, on the DS. Uh, it's from the creator of the Ace Attorney series mm-hmm. uh, that sort of wanted to make something new and made uh, made this game, which is less of a visual novel adventure game and more of a, a puzzle adventure game where you are uh, in control of this dude named Sissel, his soul. Uh, he finds out about this whole weird thing that you can do as a dead person where you can kind of uh, possess other objects around you kind of thing and have the ability to activate some of them to do stuff. Uh, So you're kind of using this to get around and uh, solve problems. Usually uh, early on, it's this person's about to get murdered by this hitman. Uh, So what if you do a bunch of stuff to uh, figure out how to keep them from getting murdered? Uh, That kind of thing. But you eventually, uh, use the the telephone lines to get out of there uh, to different areas to um, get you know uh, get to other areas and do stuff there. Um, some of them are just purely you're going to learn story here. This is you know the the layer of the bad guy that's you know had you killed and is trying yeah. to get these other people killed kind of stuff. And you can just fuck with them while you're learning more about you know what's going on uh, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got a really great style. The animations are really well done. 
I think it's some of the best animations in any game yeah. around. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very cool game. Thirty bucks. It's on everything, I believe. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's one worth checking out. At some point, if you haven't played it uh, previously, or if you have, uh, you know, it's a good one to revisit. Uh, show some okay. support. I doubt we're going to get anything new out of the out of the series out of this game, but mm-hmm. uh, for here they've added uh, they've you know made it playable on a single screen because I think the the original had story stuff on the top as mm-hmm. you you know drag your soul around in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it yeah. pretty playable on one screen with the controller uh, stuff. Uh, they've added music player. I think they had a rearranged tra- uh, an arranged soundtrack. Uh, but you can also play with the original soundtrack. All that kind of stuff, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really cool game, really great style to it. And if you play the demo up front, I think they unlock an extra song in the background for you. Since it's a DS game, it's mostly four by three, uh, so mm-hmm. they let you fill in the background uh, sides with two different wallpapers. They've been innovated on that kind of technology where you can set a separate one on each side. Uh, so mm-hmm. I set up the. Uh, two wallpapers that had Missile on it. Missile the Pomeranian, the best character in this game. Uh, uh, when he shows up, he's just like, hey, what the hell's going on? What's Why am I here? And you're like, oh, you're dead. He's like, oh, okay. Let's yeah. just do deal with it. He's just super positive and all that for being a dead dog. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a really cool game. So uh, mm. that's been pretty much it for me. So how about you, Brandon? What have you been doing? Well, uh, I have, I can, you know, because the, uh, the, the embargo has finally lifted a couple days ago, I can finally talk about the quote unquote secret game that I've been playing this whole time and it's trails into reverie. Um, this is the, it's not the latest game in the trail series. There's already a couple of them more out that are part of the Calvar dark that are already in Japan, but this is the, uh, latest one to get an English translation. And basically its whole purpose is to wrap, wrap up all of the hanging plot threads that were still, uh, you know, that were still at the end of Cold uh, Cold Steel 4. Um, essentially, what the, the essential game story is about is it's telling sort of the story of how Crossbell finally gets its independence, um, which is uh, basically after the the end of Cold Steel 4 when Erebonia makes it clear that you know they're 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 basically paying reparations to the Republic of Calvard they're also agreeing to demilitarize and sort of deconstruct a bunch of their military um a bunch of uh imperial defense force soldiers decide that they don't like that so they try to attempt to occupy Crossbell uh it obviously doesn't work because by that point, everybody in Crossbell is just sick of them. Um, and so eventually they end up kicking them out. And finally, the uh, government of Crossbell manages to arrange it so that the uh, suzerain over their uh, country is is uh, transferred over to the Holy City where, you know, the uh, goddess religion, you know, the Eidos religion, the Eidos church is located. Okay, which basically means they are an independent nation, finally, for the first time in its history. But just as they're getting ready to, you know, uh, Chairman McDowell, the 
the current head of the government is getting ready to put sign his name to the independence papers to make it official uh, a group calling themselves the Evan Defense Force show up and very quickly take o- take over the city and it seems to be on the face be controlled and led by none other than Rufus Alberea the original governor general of the city back when it was under imperial occupation in the uh, previous series. Um, except there are some things about it that are kind of odd, especially considering the fact that he's supposed to be in prison right around that point. Um, so eventually the Evan Defense Force wastes no time taking over the city. Uh, they clamp down on everything. They they start a information blackout that basically cuts the city completely completely off from the rest of Zamoria. Uh, the special support section is essentially cast to the four winds and have to flee the city. Um, and, and so essentially what their job at that point now is they have to regroup, get some allies, and try to finally liberate Crossbell for hopefully the last and final time. Um, but as this is happening, you've got two other plot threads that are happening. Um, one is happening in Erebonia, and it has to do with Green and the members of Class 7 finding out, first being one of the first groups to find out from, you know, the their intelligence agency that uh, Rufus seems to have taken over Crossbell and made himself dictator of the city, and apparently his plans are that he's trying to create the quote-unquote United Nation of Zamoria with him as leader and Crossbell, its new, its new capital. Um, so since they're basically not able to actually get into Crossbell right now, they figure out that what they can do is they can try and track down various, uh, you know, sympathizers within the Imperial Defense Force who might turn over or, or might be collaborating with Rufus. And so essentially a bunch of uh, their story arc is them trying to track down all the sympathizers um, and try to prevent what it appears to be trying to state what it looks like. Rufus is trying to stage a war or a battle that will restart the war. Um, And then again, the other plot thread that is happening as this is happening is that these two kids uh, are fleeing from this nebulous organization. They appear to be like child soldiers. Um, who have been given the uh, task of delivering this package to a guy going under the label C. And then C shows up, and he's wearing a mask and looking, you know, wearing a trench coat and everything, and he claims to be the leader of the quote-unquote reborn Imperial Liberation Front. But it's very clearly not Crow, mostly because, one, Crow has long since, you know, abandoned that moniker, and two... He doesn't use pistols like Crow does. He uses a broadsword. Um, and, and essentially, the way the game works is you can switch between all three of these various plot threads pretty much at will. Uh, with a few exceptions, there are points where uh, a particular uh, story arc can't go further until another person in another plot thread completes a certain action. Um, and then, of course, uh, there are various points in the game where uh, that, that involves this mysterious mirror that shows up in the pockets of all three uh, leaders of the various story arcs, and what happens 
happens is this mirror basically transports them into this digital dimension, uh, digital dimension called Elysium, where they can basically are told to go through a. I th- I think it might it might not be, but it looks like a procedurally generated dungeon that they have to go through, where they can get things like. Um, you know, I new items they can you know increase your level. Uh, you can get things like side stories, mini games, um, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's very fascinating. Um, it seems to also be sort of setting up the plot for what's going to happen with uh, Kuro no Kuseki, which is the next Trails game that takes place that starts off the Calvard arc. Um, we'll find out, but uh. And also, I'm playing Street Fighter VI uh, in between, you know, playing Trails into Reverie. And I haven't played it as much as I would like to, but it's definitely a lot of fun. The World Tour, especially, is just incredibly entertaining um, for, for just how unbelievably cheesy and hilarious it is. And just simply the fact that you can literally just pick a fight with anyone that you come across as long as you, as you know, you're able to. Literally anybody from old ladies to police officers to the dudes running the food trucks just anyone basically you come in contact with it's very fun but yeah that's what i've been playing so uh bill what about you so uh well i've also been playing a bit of street fighter 6 i kind of agree pretty much entirely with what brandon just said there uh i spent a lot of time with uh, the arcade mode though and uh that's actually quite well done uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you can do either five or 12 stages if you want. Uh, yeah. There's bonus stages in there. Uh, yeah. It's all, it's all very well done. What I'll say about Street Fighter Six in general is that uh, one of the biggest complaints of Street Fighter Five when it launched was that it had a lack of content. That is not a problem with Street Fighter Six. Nope, this one is overflowing with content. Yeah, so, I mean, there's pretty much ways to play the game any way you want. I mean, there's a big battle hub that you can go in and play online, go up to arcade cabinets, and you can play Final Fight if you want. Uh, you know, there's versions of Street Fighter 2 there that you can go and play, and when you do, you unlock unlock those in your uh, gallery and stuff like that. Okay, I clearly have not been playing SF6 enough. I, I didn't know that Final Fight was playable on there. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's in the battle hub. You, you do that yeah. from, the, from the beginning, or do you have to unlock it? No, you just gotta go up to it. Oh god, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, it's there. Yeah, gotcha. I've only been like playing around with all the characters and, and on one on one. I haven't even touched any real mode. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth uh, checking out the battle hub. Even if you don't like play online matches there, there's you know a bunch of stuff in there to unlock uh, just by going up to it and interacting with it. So mm-hmm. that's that's worth it. Uh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, and if you don't want to do any of that battle hub stuff and you just want to play online, there's you know, a perfectly functional online matchmaking mode as well. So it's like mm-hmm. you can really play Street Fighter Six any way you want to. So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this week, for me mostly, it's been AEW Fight Forever. Um, mm-hmm. Been waiting a long time for uh, a wrestling game that kind of captures the uh, the gameplay style of the old N64 wrestling games, like No Mercy, WCW, NWO, Revenge, those kind of games. Well, this one definitely does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is fast. Uh, It is very easy to pick up and play. It's like, it doesn't bog you down with a whole lot of tutorials. It's like, you start Mm -hmm. a match, 
William Regal points out a couple of things that you need to, to do. You know, if you get into a section where some some new mechanic is going to be uh, introduced, well, you get another little tutorial screen there, which is, you know, basically a couple of lines just saying, hey, this is what you got to do. And then you just keep on going. So it's yep. like, it, it takes a total of maybe about five minutes and you've got the controls down for this game. Mm. And after that, it's just, you know, experiment, uh, figure out what... Uh, what the controls will do when you do use them in different contexts, and yeah, it's very, very strange and amazing things that can happen. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been really, really enjoying that. Uh, I really have to say one thing that I absolutely love about this game is the sound design is amazing. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, like there are there's some voice acting in there, like uh, Jim Ross is there, and he sounds like he doesn't really want to be there. Uh, but you know, you got Excalibur in there. He's well, he's Excalibur, so he's just always himself. So that's that's fine. Uh, but all the wrestler taunts and stuff are really. From what I've played so far, um, out of the voice acting you do here, it's all just uh, like one-liners. There's no any actual real conversation, right? Right, right. But yeah, that's basically yeah. It's like, but uh, it's like sometimes it sometimes like Jim Ross will be introducing the uh the pay-per-view that you're about to go into and and stuff like that and yeah the enthusiasm just isn't there you know it's like he's reading off a script and it's not really you know, emoting like he usually does when he's on a show so mm-hmm. it just kind of it kind of falls a little flat there but apart from that uh the crowd in this game is amazing uh, it's like it's got to be one of the best uh crowds uh in wrestling game I've ever heard they're very reactive uh, they'll be, you know, do, they'll be chanting for what you're, what you're doing. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the obligatory holy shit chant is definitely in there, uh, along with some uh, other, one, some other ones, of course. Uh, what else do I got to say about it? It's just, <laughs> oh yeah, and the, uh, the sound effects for a lot of the moves are really, really good. Like uh, getting hit with a super kick. Ow, that does sound nasty. So they, you can tell that the people that worked on this really are uh, definitely into wrestling. Well, of course they would be, since you know Kenny Omega was one of the people who was very much a active contributor to uh, to the game's development. So yeah, it's it's basically it hasn't let me down. I've been playing the crap out of it ever since uh, I got the review code. I bought all the DLC for it now. So I've been just enjoying the hell out of it, and I can keep playing it, working my way to the uh, King of Hearts achievement so I can uh, unlock Owen Hart and uh, be playing as him. So, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of been pretty much it for me. Yeah, uh, a couple of the games that I've been playing, or actually all the games I've been playing, are stuff that um, everyone here has also been playing. Um, I've also been playing AEW Fight Forever. Uh, got my code the same day Phil did. He's playing on Xbox, and I've been playing on PS5. And um, yeah, like I've been looking forward to this game for a long time, especially knowing that Kenny Omega is fully behind it as far as like you know really bringing wrestling back to its um N64 roots. Like you know the yeah. the, the Aki system is known for being um, really easy to pick up and play. Uh, at the same time, like you can go ahead and call your movements as you, um, as you see them because like um, I don't know if, if you've ever played games in that era, like you kind of know what to expect and you'll know you, you'll immediately know what you're doing. The thing that throws me off is that uh, aside from just the strike button, you also have the kick button. So uh, that was uh, a little tough getting used to, especially as I was trying to use my grapple movement. And I, I noticed like, this is not a suplex. These are more 
uh, grapple uh, strikes. And it, it was different in that regard. So um, you have to keep, keep in mind that the developer was still Ukes. And um, in the GameCube PS2 era, Ukes was very against the Aki system. So having Omega try to convince them to go back to this was probably one of the reasons why it was in development hell. And like, you know, when you start playing the game, and if, you, if, if you're really, really hardcore into wrestling, you can tell it was in development hell. Like, William Regal yeah. should not be in this game. Neither neither should um should Cody Rhodes, uh, who you could you could unlock with the AEW bucks, by the way. But like, it's only for ten thousand, which you pretty much have at the very start. And uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm liking some of the modern um, ways to keep you hooked into into this. Like, they have daily challenges where uh, all you got to do is you know um, win win a match with a certain wrestler or uh, perform certain moves uh, a number of times. And yeah, they they change every day, and these will uh, go these these will add to the uh, various consumables you have to go ahead and unlock people. Um, the custom parts really really leave uh, a lot to be desired. Um, if 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 you're expecting to like make arenas that were as uh, good as they were in uh, WWE 2K uh, 23, it's it's nowhere close. Um, but at the same time, the, the uh, gameplay is king, and I and I think this has uh, WWE beaten in the, in that regard. Um, so far, I'm enjoying the. Um, I think it's called the Road to the Elite. Phil, yeah, Road to the Elite. Called. And um, it's it's funny because um, it's really stupid. And like <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am I am all over the stupidity here. Like you go from city to city, and then aside from getting ready for your matches, you have to decide whether you wanna um, whether you wanna eat, whether you wanna sign autographs, or whether you wanna work out. And then when you work out, like there's a number there that tells you, oh, you're gonna get injured if you work out today, so don't work out. So cool, I'll go ahead and eat. And then if you eat twice, you end up eating the same shit that you ate in that city already. And it, and it gives you like 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 these these dumb facts. It's like, oh, uh, one of the perks you get when you're an AEW wrestler is you get to eat at all the coolest places around the world. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want to eat the same thing twice on, on any trip. But you know, it, it is what it is there. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm doing my journey as a Jungle Boy who uh, just turned heel on AEW, and it's a uh, it's 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 not going very well. So it's really interesting seeing how. Um, all the wrestlers are treating me as I go through my journey. Um, I'm not very far into it, but uh, so far I've been having fun in that regard. Um, the main thing that I didn't like is that it starts off with the um, with the Casino Battle Royal, and um, the Battle Royal is one thing that uh, this game like doesn't really do right, primarily because it's two N64 in the sense where um, it only allows four people in a ring, and then the next person comes in after you eliminate someone. And, you know, we're used to, like, oh, right, there's ten guys in the ring, and there's three people taking a rest outside and things like that. And yeah. it's not as easy to knock people out either. Like, I was at my special, and then Matt Hardy just threw me out, like, um, after I used my special move on some other guy. And I was like, oh, come on. I, I shouldn't be eliminated because of this. But at the same time, I was glad it was over because I don't want to go through, like, all, all 21 men. So um, there's that. But, yeah, uh, AEW Fight Forever, definitely a fun game. Um, I would only say it's worth the 60 if you know what you want out of it. And it, what you what you should want is the whole N64 vibe because th this has it all. I've only played single matches so far and tag team matches and the aforementioned Battle Royal. Um, I haven't played like the the, the barbed wire death match that... Uh, yeah, the barbed wire death match is amazing. So I'll definitely do that. Um, I'm not uh, as into the sound design as he is. Like I, for, I for one, think the... Um, uh, the fight forever and, and holy shit moments um, are kind of dumb because like the, the, the things that you do don't really warrant the chat for me. And that's something that like fans don't really understand either. Cause like I've, I've been to a whole bunch of uh, takeovers and AEW events and like 
they always cheer this is awesome over things that aren't really all that awesome especially if you've been a wrestling fan for a while but you know it is what it is you, you have fun and, and it's, it's definitely clear that the people that did work in the game uh, who weren't a part of the hell were definitely having fun with it too i mean like i've worked on a wrestling game myself and like one of the things that i was in charge of was going on wwe network to record sound bits because that was the only way that wwe would approve anything uh so i'm pretty sure that aew had similar things with what they dealt with and i'm just wondering like if everything they've gotten for the sound design or anything at all came from just aew because i'm pretty sure there's some wwe stuff they've stolen in there but otherwise like uh like i said aew is a fun game uh totally worth the 60 if you're from that year but like if you're someone who wants like some of the some more of the glitz and glamour you see out of the WWE 2K games, it's not quite there. But there's a good foundation here, and you know if uh, AEW wants to go annualize with their installations, um, you know I'm all about it as long as I see like the proper evolution. But then when I think about it, you know going from WrestleMania to No Mercy, there really wasn't that much of an improvement to begin with, and they were just fun to deal with. So um, hopefully, you know they improve the customizations and um, creating your own wrestlers and things like that with the with the mod community. So. That way, it'll be evergreen in its own right. But yeah, really enjoying AEW Fight Forever. It's definitely taken a lot of time out of uh, the main game I've been playing, which is Final Fantasy 16. Um, I'm about maybe 10, 11 hours in now. And uh, yeah, um, I've gotten to some points in the game where I was like, oh, okay, they, they, they did that. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm specifically talking about things like uh, character changes and, and, and things like that. Um, they've done a really good job making you care about these characters which is way more than I can say about like the past few Final Fantasies. Like, I didn't care about anybody in 15. I didn't care about anybody in 13. 12, I never even finished. So yeah, like it's gone a long way to really make me care about these characters. And, you know, on the internet, on the Twitters, whatever, um, a lot of people are saying, hey, like this shouldn't be Final Fantasy. And like my only response to that is if it's a good game, it's, it's a good game. And Final Fantasy is a, has always been a series that's always tried to you know, push the envelope as far as, like, what a JRPG can do. You know, with Final Fantasy VII, like, that was a big step onto, like, the the um, steampunk environment and at, at the same time just going into the heavily, um, heavily uh, cutscene, the kind of games that we see in RPGs nowadays. You know, with eight, they went a little crazy with the dungeon system. Nine, they went, to, they tried to go back to its roots, which at the same time alienated people who were into seven and eight. And things like that so you know it's it's not out of the ordinary to see final fantasy have this sort of evolution through devolution if you want to call it that but um like i mentioned a couple weeks ago the battle system i find very fun i've gotten to a point where i can use three different kinds of magic so just um being able to use these in my combos through various ways in addition to um my my equips uh really just makes makes, makes it all sing um like especially as someone that's really enjoyed platinum games and what they've done with, with with the DMC titles, like it's crazy that you can do this in Final Fantasy in such a way that actually makes sense. Um, it has their own answer to materia and like classes in regards to the things that you can equip. Um, I, I mentioned last week that I had a hard time because I um, disabled the equip that allowed me to have automatic dodges in place of more defense. And now that I put that back, like I'm having an easier time with enemies, and at the same time, it's making me feel like I'm growing. And like um, the story so far, you know, a lot of people are going to say Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones is not the first uh, medieval story to be like, you know, this barbaric, uh, if you will. Like um, it does it in a very Final Fantasy way. Uh, the way it mixes a lot of the old music into there is great. You know, you have everything from crystals to moogles to chocobos. Like it's very Final Fantasy. And like, I don't really care what people have to have to have to say against it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's definitely 
a great entry for people who you know want to get back into it or like they just want to you know see what um all the fuss is with the the action uh combat system as well as like just to see where the series has has come um as a result like i know the fantastical setting isn't going to be for everyone um but at the same time like it's for me and like that that's that's also one thing i appreciate about about it as well um my other thing is uh i've been really taking my time with it um i i'm really starting to enjoy the, the story because of the side quests um one of the common themes with this one is pretty much like racism and slavery uh, which is weird because you know obviously one of the controversies with with, with uh, this game is everybody is white so why is there racism? Um, but like no, it's there, there, there's really some some deep stuff here. There was a side quest I did where um, there was this dad who, who um, apparently his son was being attacked and he wanted me to help him out. But like when mm-hmm. you talk to him, it didn't seem like he cared much about his about helping out his son because you know why don't why don't you do it? It's your son. You should go help him out anyway. But he's like, yeah, go ahead and you know help my son, slave. So I go ahead and go over to where his son is. He's being attacked by a wolf. And then I kill the wolf. And all of a sudden, like, the kid is just uh, complaining. He's like, no, that wasn't supposed to happen. You were supposed to die. And he goes off on this whole, like, racist tirade saying, all of you uh, branded were, were supposed to, like, get killed by my, by, my, by my wolf. This is my pet. So, yeah, uh, my main character is like, okay, cool, whatever. And then we go back to the guy's dad. And his dad is like, how dare you kill my son's pet? I'm like... This wolf was attacking your son. You told me to save your son. And you're, you're going to blame me mm-hmm. for killing the wolf? So yeah, um, they do that. Uh, the kid is, is mad at me. He's like, oh, I don't like the way he's talking to me, father. And then I leave because I, uh, prior to me being there, the wolf actually killed like other branded. And the branded is, is, is what they call um, like the slaves, if you will. Uh, as far as their definition, they're actually magic users that are just being abused for their magic. And, um, and they're, not, they're not of royal blood. Uh, so anyway, uh, I go back to where the attacks happened, and then I see like three three dead corpses. So as the main character decides to bury them, um, he uh, comes across another character. He's like, oh no, not more. And he goes about the situation. He's like, it's okay, Karma will eventually get them. And then like the camera pans out and zooms in on the uh, the house of the uh, uh, of the boy and his father. And then you hear a wolf just like mangle them, uh, and it was a wolf that they had just bought to replace the previous one. So I was like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, it's that's pretty gruesome." But you know, they they, they had what's coming. Um, yeah. And then uh, on that same hill, there's there's another side quest with a little girl who apparently lost her doll named Chloe, and then she asked me to look for it. And then you know, I'm looking for it. I ask another village person, "Hey, have you seen uh, this little girl's doll? His name's Chloe. has has nice white hair." And like, oh, there's one by the windmill. So I go to the windmill and I see a dog with white hair, but it wasn't the dog that we were looking for. It was actually another, uh, another branded uh, slave uh, that had white hair, but she succumbed to um, the disease where they use too much of their magic and they all of a sudden freeze. And like, yeah, she's dead. So um, it's a corpse there, and all of a sudden the little girl finds me. It's like, oh no, Chloe, what happened? And like, she doesn't know what death is because she believes that uh, the branded people don't have families, don't have feelings, and can't die. So my main character just tells her, oh, yeah, uh, of course she has a family. Like, you took her away from her family so she can live with yours, and this is how you've treated her. Remember that. And, like, just making her feel bad, like, felt awesome. And she, she cries, and it's the end of the side quest. And I was like, this is some badass stuff. So, yeah, uh, really enjoying what I'm playing out of Final Fantasy XVI. Um, and then I finished Chosen Trevory about a week and a half ago. Um, I finished it before the embargo. The review is up. And yeah, like Brandon said, the thing that sets this game apart um, is the fact that there are three separate quests. 
Uh, one where you use the Regis Warzer from Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, the other where you use Lloyd Bannings from the uh, Crossbell games that just came out. And then the other one where you use C. And um, even though there's three separate quests, uh, they all eventually converge into one. And it's one of those yeah. things where you can't just overplay your quest, right? I, even, you know, people are going to love Reen, people are going to love Lloyd, but you can't just play Lloyd the entire time. You have to actually switch between And when you get to a point where um, you have to switch, the game will tell you. And at the same time, it's a good thing because um, one of the hardest things to manage in the game is that there are a lot of characters and you can only have like, a lot you know, of characters. So, um, if um, at the end of Trails of Cold Steel 4, uh, you could pretty much use any character you've ever been introduced to, and Trails into Reverie does that right away. So, um, this is one of the reasons why, like, whenever we about the latest Trails game, we, we tell you to go all the way back to Trails in the Sky because you're not going to appreciate it unless you know who any of these people are. And, like, yeah. that's, that's a big part of it there. So, the way they split them is pretty cool. Like, with, with Lloyd, uh, you're getting a lot of people from Liberal. With, um, yeah. uh, with Reen, you're getting pretty much everybody you met in Erebonia. And then with um, C, uh, he has a whole bunch of new characters and a bunch of people from um, the rest of the games, too. So uh, it's really interesting going through all those routes. And um, as, as he mentioned, um, their routes kind of converge when you reach what's called the Reverie Corridor. And this is pretty much similar to the old Lighthouse or Phantasma from um, Trails in the Sky the Third, where none of this stuff actually helps the plot. Um, it's really just there to grind. Um, so that was kind of like uh, a weird convenience for me, just because like, you know... Um, I guess it was a way to put to put something in here just, just for fan service because yeah, like you're there to grind, but um, all of the grinding you can do in the in the actual game like works for for what it is. But at the same time, you do have some fan service stuff. Like there's these new quests that you can take part in to learn more about the various characters in your party. Um, like for example, there's one where you're in Saint Australia's uh, Australia school, and that is like just for all girls. And um, there's a point there where the main character of that story is Kurt Vander. So of course they're gonna yep. have him cross dress and put a put a wig on and like you know it's very uh, reminiscent of what they did with Joshua in uh, Trails in the Sky. So that's some cool fan service there. And then of course there's the nasty fan service where um, you know you're in the beach and all right, Loy, uh, Rain can or is it Rain? Yeah, it's Rain. Um, he can go ahead and like um, choose to have a drink with his favorite Trails girl. And yeah, uh, this is where PlayStation Four VR comes in. Um, you can have a conversation yep. with, with any girl in the game and then. You can like you know just look at their assets, and then the the, the longer time you you look at a certain area, they'll start to change their dialogue. And I was like, that's really awkward, but you know, harem games, it, it is what it is with that. Um, and yeah, uh, there's also mini games. You can do things like jet skiing. You can play Vantage Masters, which is their card game. You can play Pom Pom Party. Um, there's just yeah. a whole lot to do every quarter. That that's at the end of the day, it's a waste of time, but it's a good way to just like you know sort of like. Uh, take the edge off because there's a lot of this there's a lot of dense stuff in this game because obviously with what brandon talked about like it's it's, it's big into the civil war um and it pretty much is a prelude to what's going to happen in the upcoming games uh i think they're, they're in english it's, it's trails to, to the dark or whatever and um yeah so this game pretty much um wraps up the stories in both erebonia and um and crossbell and at the same time uh sort of uh, is a precursor to the Calvert games and the main thing here is that this is the last trails title we're getting that's confirmed so we don't know whether yeah. we're, we're gonna get those next two games yet so hopefully like this succeeds and yeah it's just another great entry into a great series um i gave this game a four um main reason being i just didn't find the reverie uh 
corridor all that useful despite all everything it offers for like extra lore itself um and the fact that yeah like you can't just play trails into reverie like i mean like you could but you know why would you want to watch avengers endgame when you haven't seen any other uh nc really doesn't make any sense. um and yeah so like i have to dock it in that regard like it's not uh it's not an entry point at all so when you try to convince people to get into the series this is not this is not the first game i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend um, at that, it's also one of the shorter ones. It's like fifty hours, and the fact the fact that I have to say that that's short is just a, a testament to how crazy long these games are. So um, yeah, that's about it for me. All right. All right. So yeah, let's get to some news. Uh, and it is a new month, so your subscription services have new games for you. Uh, we'll talk about PlayStation Plus here. Uh, they have three new games. Uh, this is let's see. All of them are for PS5 and PS4. Uh, to start off, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, so yeah, you'll be able to check out. I don't even know which one this is. How old this one is? Uh, this is from 2020. Okay. Uh, so I think that's the the last one that people liked that wasn't a Modern Warfare game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, a solid choice there for the people that want that as a they try to figure out what they're going to do with Call of Duty this fall. Like, there's rumors of maybe they're not being a game or might have another one that doesn't have a campaign in it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we'll be able to check that one out. Uh, let's see. Yeah, also for PS5, PS4, Alan Wake Remastered. Uh, a good way to get into uh, you know the, the series before the second game comes out this fall. Yes. Yep. Highly recommend it. I've never played it, so this is awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, I will tell you, just right off the bat, even though it is a very good remaster, uh, by the character animations, you will still be able to tell that this is like an old school. Uh, this is this is kind of this is game is a few years old. Let me just put it that way. I mean, it's um, Xbox 360 era. I mean, you gotta give it. Yeah, some. yeah. But yeah, there you go for that. Uh, that'll be one to check out and. Uh, uh, the third game is Endling, and S- Extinction is Forever. Uh, a neat-looking indie game. Uh, I've been looking at this one for a little while now. Uh, yeah. It came out last year. Uh, this is one where you are, uh, yeah, the last mother fox on Earth. Your cubs mm-hmm. need all your care to survive in a merciless world that slowly destroys itself. Uh, so, you know, very positive game there for yeah. you uh, to check out. Uh, so there you go. Those are the, the three games for this month. Some solid stuff there. Yeah. Uh, then let's get to Games with Gold, mm-hmm. uh, which has two games again. Uh, there's Darkwood here starting July 1st to the 31st. Uh, this is mm-hmm. one of those horror games uh, that I'm not sure what kind. I guess this is uh, yeah, kind of a survival horror game of sorts. It's top-down. Uh, that kind of thing, so a lot more action-focused, I guess, mm-hmm. than uh, the typical that are just narrative-focused. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it has randomly generated maps and events, so cool. Not even able to uh, learn what's going on uh, and deal yeah. with that. So there you go for that. Uh, and starting on July 16th to August 15th, there is When the Past Was Around. Mm-hmm. Uh, an adventure point-click puzzle game about love, moving on, letting go, and the joy and pain of everything in between. Uh, so that at least looks neat. 
Yeah, um, I actually played that game. It was the first game I beat this year. Um, even though it's a point and click, it's actually very, very hard. Um, I needed an, I needed an FAQ for the later chapters. But, you know, once you do that, it's also an easy platinum. Yeah, so there's your games with gold uh, games. So, mm-hmm. okay stuff there, depending on what you're into. So mm-hmm. there you go for that. Uh, but not to be outdone, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack got four new Genesis games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There's Crusader of Senti. Uh, this looks like an action game, action RPG. Yeah, that's basically Sega's answer to Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing screenshots here. That's it's a legally distinct Zelda. Mm-hmm. So there you go for that. Uh, there's Ghouls and Ghosts, so that's a game you should definitely be playing with uh, uh, the Rewind and the Save States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not going to get through it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, so there you go. I was like, hey, play Gargoyle's Quest, the spinoff that's playable on the Game Boy. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's a completely different game, but yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's Land Stalker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lighthearted treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of a Nigel mm-hmm. the Forest elf faces more delightful puzzles in this action adventure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. there you go for that been a while but i actually finished that one back in the day it's a that's just worth it's worth the playthrough yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there you go an isometric one and then the revenge of shinobi yeah uh that's mm-hmm. the second game or is that the third one in the series mm-hmm. second it's also yeah the version that's on nso is also the one with uh without any of the copyright infringing characters so so no spider-man yeah no spider-man no batman Oh, Godzilla. Or Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> it really was the Wild West back then, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. That's a side-scrolling action game uh, where you're Shinobi just doing your shit, throwing shurikens and stabbing people with your sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go for that. So those are all available now, so you can check that out uh, for the Genesis stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's solid stuff there. But uh, let's get into some dates here. Uh, let's see. Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe finally has a release date. Uh, July 27th on PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this one. Because uh, it's sort of a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, uh, but where you are a bunch of robots collecting trash mm-hmm. uh, in the streets. As you're doing that, you're, yeah, you're battling... Rival garbage collectors in chaotic street brawls. Uh, yeah, they got five worlds uh, with 25 levels total. Yeah, four-player co-op, online or local. Uh, you customize your garbage truck with car- uh, mm-hmm. custom parts. You can recruit a variety of scrappers for your roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, some mini games, and yeah, it's a that's a neat-looking game. Looking forward to that. Uh, their first. This one I think was on. Uh, Apple Arcade for a while. Hmm. Uh, so finally coming to consoles and PC there. So that's cool. Looking yeah. forward to that. Good stuff. Uh, the other game, got a date here, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Uh, has mm-hmm. been, uh, I think they announced August 18th for a little while. That was just switching PC. Now they've announced that uh, they'll also be coming to PlayStation and Xbox 
uh, shortly after that. So mm. I think there's some timed exclusivity on the Switch, at least. Uh, so those will be out uh, a bit later for that. So that's cool. That is, if you don't remember, that's the game that's very much trying to be uh, a new Jet Set Radio kind of game. Yeah. Uh, for that, yeah. so yeah, that's looking neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, uh, let's see another one. This one, uh, a weird story here for Baldur's Gate three uh, coming to PC and PS five was supposed to be August thirty first, but they decided uh, to both delay it and move it up. Uh, the PC mm-hmm. version was moved up to August third. Uh, because I guess it's ready a bit earlier there, and they delayed the PS5 version to September 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that PS5 will have their big RPG game to check out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and PC people can, I guess, get in there a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yep. So that's a whole thing you can do. Well, it has been like in early access on PC for the last two years. So, yeah. <laughs> for PC folks. Uh... Yeah. And they're very much talking a lot about. How long is it going to take for people to beat this game? Which they're saying like 75 hours. Potentially yeah. up to 100 or more if you're doing everything in it. So a medium length trails. Yeah, pretty much. Or your typical Bowder's Gate, I think. Mm. Yeah. Plus the reroll. So. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, there you go for that one. Uh, that's Larian's newest game. Uh, looking real good. Yeah. So yeah, that's a uh, that's one to check out, especially if you're uh, looking for something a little bit more old school, but with a lot of the the stuff they've been doing over their last few games yep. uh, for there to uh, modernize the Baldur's Gate experience, because those other games are like 30 years old at this point. Yeah. So, there you go for that. Uh, what were you going to say, Phil? Yeah, and say, like, you know, they, they did do the enhanced editions of the, the older games, but you know, some control tweaks here and there only get you so far. There's a lot of design choices back then that uh, really haven't aged that well. So being able to play something more modern is definitely going to be appealing to a lot of people. So. Yeah. Right. Yep. So let's see here. Uh, Disney Speedstorm is finally leaving early access. Uh, it will launch as a free-to-play title on September 28th. Uh, that seems, I think, people have been... Wondering if it's because the game has not been selling super well in early access. So they're just like, ah, we'll just get it out there, free to play, bring more people in. Because uh, everything I've heard about this game is that it is free to play as hell. Uh, with lots of <laughs> currencies and uh, stuff to unlock through many, many different means uh, that are very confusing at times for people. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long this game has been in early access, but typically for a free-to-play game, the reason why it's in early access in the first place is to see what people will spend money on. Um, and, you know, uh, when it goes to full release, like, I don't know how much of a bare-bones game it'll be, um, but a lot of people do like um, that Animal Crossing-like game. Um, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're looking to try to capture the capture a similar essence there, but at the same time, it's like, we know what kind of audience they're trying to get with, with Dreamlight Valley. Whereas with Speedstorm, it's like, you know, Mario Kart doesn't do this, so I would assume it's not going to be as successful, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't work for the Chocobo game that Square Enix released either, so... Definitely did not work for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it went to Early Access April 18th, so it'll be barely five months before it's out. Uh, so, 
that's probably more indicative that it was not exactly all that early mm. uh, in developments as they're trying to figure out stuff. But yeah, probably just figuring out like what what will people tolerate, and we'll back up the line as close as we can to that mm. uh, without going over. So yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to check out here. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, last let's see, last couple here. We got a new football game coming to the consoles and PC. It's called Wild Card Football. Uh, it is licensed with the NFLPA, so there's a bunch of actual players in it, as well mm-hmm. as Colin Kaepernick, kind of being the cover athlete, I guess. Uh, for that, uh, so all the players in here have the exact same build. For the most mm-hmm. part, I think some have like a a little bit of a smaller waist and legs, but otherwise everybody else has giant shoulders and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, that's coming to PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC October 10th for that. So looks neat. Yeah, um, another game by the NFLPA, uh, not the actual NFL. So it'll be interesting seeing how they dodge those things. But yeah, um, I'm interested in seeing how this game plays. Uh, Saber Interactive hasn't been like. Uh, the best as far as like giving us these arcade experiences, especially like, you know, when you want to go back to things like Midway or even EA Sports Big, uh, they haven't been able to just capitalize off of that. So hopefully this does, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's not a ton of gameplay in the trailer from what I could see, but it almost kind of looks a little bit like uh, if you had NFL Blitz mixed with like rugby, mm-hmm. I guess. I'm hoping it ends up on Game Pass or either that give us like a slight discount on it, but. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the screenshots seem to have like pinball style bumpers on them that, uh, mm. like, if you run into it, knocks the ball out of your hands for somebody else to grab, that kind of stuff. So that looks like that could be all right. Mm. Uh, next up here, we got another uh, Apple Arcade game uh, finally coming to other platforms. This is Air Twister coming from EaseNet, that's mm-hmm. Suzuki Studio. Um, and it is very much a, uh, it's a crap. What are the like Panzer Dragoon style shooter mm. uh, kind of thing uh, coming to yeah PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC November tenth. Mm. Uh, so that's neat to see that finally coming to other platforms. But yeah, you can look at it and be like, yep, that's that's exactly what he's making. You know, one of his old games, uh, yeah. Space Harrier there so it's a really dumb name air twister does gives you no idea what that game's about yeah uh, it mm-hmm. took me a bit to realize like oh this is that game this is the yu suzuki game okay this is their follow-up to shenmue 3 is air twister <laughs> it just like, well, okay I mean, sure hey, if i can get it physically i'll pick that one up so yeah mm. Uh, there, and we got one more. It's not quite a date, uh, but Scorn is coming to PS5 this fall, so uh, PS5 people can get disgusted uh, by this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first-person horror game that is going all over the uh, uh, the kind of uh, uh, HR Geiger or Giger aesthetic there. Mm-hmm. Of a lot of uh, upsetting sexual stuff going on in that game, so there you go. That'll be happening uh, for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, let's get to some other news here. 
Final Fantasy 16 has reached 3 million physical shipments and digital copies sold uh, in mm-hmm. the, I think it was like five days after uh, launch. So that's pretty good news. Doing pretty well for a game that's only on uh, a PS5 that doesn't have that many consoles out there still at this point, like yeah. 35 million. Uh, so doing pretty well for the launch of this. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, I, I think what's kind of interesting about Final Fantasy 16 is that Square is actually looking at the at this as a long tail game and not uh, not expecting it to do massive numbers straight from the start. You know, yeah. you know, three million is nothing to sneeze at, but you know, it'll probably get to ten, fifteen, but it just it's probably not going to happen right away. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something I'll work on. Uh, I think they've said they're going to have. Some other stuff for this game, maybe an expansion at some point, but at the yeah. very least, probably do some sort of crossover with 14 since a lot of the team has worked on both of those games. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, they obviously like hit a fire with this one. And like, <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but like, as long as I've been like as involved as I am, I don't remember the last time a demo won one so, so many people over, including myself. So I think that's mm-hmm. definitely one they've hit part two. And maybe. Down the, down the line, we'll probably see more developers, Square Enix included, just just released like you know good demos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, demos are kind of important. I mean, back when I was growing up, I found a lot of games that I wouldn't have normally even considered playing because of those PC gamer demo discs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you, you kind of got to get back to those. Yeah, Square Enix has has done a lot of those. Yeah, basically all of their RPGs have basically had demos come mm-hmm. along with them. Yeah. So yeah, some good news for Square Enix. I guess this is good news for Nintendo. They said, hey, we're not going to create a new account system for our next console, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, I think we've gone through, this will be the fourth one with the Switch, because the Wii had one. Yeah. Uh, The the Wii U had a different one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Then there was the... DS and the 3DS. Yeah, the DS, the 3DS had a different one mm. uh, until they merged it with the Wii U one. Yeah. And then had the Nintendo account that then you merged your Wii U slash 3DS account so that they could use the wallet across all three. And then they shut down the Wii U and 3DS eShop, so that's not an issue anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're probably looking to, at the very least, not require people to make a new account and lose purchases to the previous device. Seems like they're looking to do some sort of BC here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also have to consider that the, uh, the Nintendo account also covers uh, Nintendo's mobile stuff. So yeah. yeah, it's, I think they're, they probably hit on one that actually works now. So I don't see why they would have to change it. Mm. Because it's tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, as much flack as we for, like, you know, being so behind with online stuff, you know, um, like Phil said, I, they, they, I think they finally hit the nail on the what for them. Um, and, yeah, ever since we've merged the eShop uh, with the NNID, um, like, it's it's been easier. It hasn't been the easiest, especially when you're buying new Switches and just transferring them all over. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I hate to give them pass, a pass for it, but it works. So as long as it works, you know, I'm all good there. Um, it we seem to be at a point where uh, Nintendo is like really only trying to make money off of 
re-releases that actually put some effort into them, right? Like, you know, we, we, we see Super Mario RPG. Uh, we're seeing, like, Pikmin 3 Deluxe, games like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the days of, like, going to Virtual Console three, four times uh, seem to be dead. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, mm-hmm. it's like, I wish it didn't happen because I have a lot of Virtual Console stuff that I don't, I don't have access to anymore, only because like, I forgot the passwords and the online things are dead and, and hard. Um, but, yeah, like, when, when the eShop, uh, 3DS eShop died, I, I, I definitely made a few purchases there. And I was surprised yeah. to see that I already had 200 bucks on it because I actually redeemed the um, eShop cards on my Switch, which my 3DS read. So I was like, okay, this, this, this makes mm-hmm. it a whole lot easier. And um, yeah, um, hopefully it just, you know, is, you know, hopefully it gets easier. And if not, hopefully it, like, it sort of stays the way it is. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but if, if, if that's the way it goes, so be it. And also, like, out of the three platforms, um, their reward system is still the best. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So yeah, that should hopefully be good for whenever Nintendo decides to uh, announce their next console. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever that's going to happen. Probably be next year, if I had to guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there you go. Let's get to our last uh, section of stories of developer things that have happened. And this is yep. the one good one. Here, there was a big yeah. Skullgirls update. Uh, that has angered the incel part of the community and just the the shitty part of the internet as well, mm. uh, because they essentially got rid of the last remaining like Nazi ish symbols that have been in the game. Oh my god! Uh, and uh, got rid of a lot of the uh, panty shots of girls that are underage, uh, that kind of yeah. stuff, uh, the unnecessary sexualization, as well as just. Uh, fixing a lot of balance stuff and all that. Uh, Cause this is a game that's set not too far after like a world war two style war that just happened. So there are characters that have had, you know, the, the military outfit with the red armband kind of thing, no explicit like Nazi symbol on it, but mm-hmm. something similar enough that you knew what they were going for. Uh, but they've decided like, what if we just get rid of that? And the shitty people have been complaining nonstop about it. Mm-hmm. They seem to be committed to sticking to this course. Because, again, mm-hmm. they've already done some of this previously in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are fine. But a lot of people that probably have never played the games are very mad at the censorship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, this is why the fighting game community can really be terrible. Mm. There are a lot of these kind of people that are just that uh, like their underage girls to be as sexual as possible uh, for whatever dumb reason. Mm. That's been like one of the things about this game that people have found gross for a long time. It's like that kind of stuff and the Nazi stuff. And it's like great that they finally basically fix all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if they hadn't put that kind of stuff in to begin with, but you know yeah you can't really fault them for trying to fix a mistake yeah it also kind of has to also tie on the fact that it wasn't like the original like uh development head of this game like a huge sex creep or something yeah this is a whole new studio that took over a few years ago so mm. that is uh i think here yeah they said the here was a bit of a scandal regarding him yeah mm. Uh, so much so, like, all the projects they were working on, he basically got removed from it mm-hmm. entirely, which is like, all right, that's, that's a good move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we here, they put out a statement, while Skullgirls is no stranger to characters that confidently express their sexuality, there are instances in the game where characters are fetishized or, and or have sexualization imposed upon them. They also specifically call out certain examples of unwanted predatory behavior targeted towards younger characters. It's like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that. That's that's not cool. Yeah, uh, and talking about the Nazi stuff, we felt that the way that mani- that manifested, most notably via red armbands, flags, and symbolism, was too close for comfort, especially given the unfortunate reality that some of these hate groups are still active in various respects to this day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very reasonable stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the haters can go fuck themselves. Yep. Because uh, they've, they've done the right thing, so... Yep. Remember, Nazis are only good for punching. Yeah. Uh, but now let's get to the capitalism portion of this show. Yep. Uh, let's see. The Lord of the Rings Gollum seemingly did so poorly that uh, Daedalic Entertainment has said, we're laying off all of the internal development people and we're not mm-hmm. going to make any more games. Uh, Oof. Which sucks because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those people made some good stuff before that game. Yeah. Uh, they made a lot of uh, like adventure, classic adventure stuff. Uh, that was pretty well received. Uh, this was their attempt to like make something bigger, mm-hmm. uh, but that obviously did not go well. Uh, yeah, they say here. Let's see. Dalek Entertainment said twenty-five of its over ninety-person team have been affected, saying it was a difficult decision, but one that'll mark a new beginning for Dalek. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that eight promising releases are still coming in this financial year. It wasn't specified these games are developed by the studio or someone else entirely. I assume those are all publishing games that they're doing. Mm, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they tried for something a little bit further out, out of their scope than they usually did. And it seems like it did so poorly they had to do a, a capitalism and lay off a bunch of people. Yeah. Definitely not the people that made the decision to make this game and mm. uh, keep going with it after all the delays. Yeah. So yeah, there you go for that. Uh, next up, Scavenger Studio, uh, makers of Season, A Letter to the Past, uh, that had already had plenty of issues beforehand as uh, one of the, the lead, uh, I mean, one of the co-founders of the studio, uh, was found to be a shitty person. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of harassment, that kind of stuff, so they had to literally like remove them from the team and force them to go through like a mediator when doing work and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like that among other things probably affected the release of the game because they apparently only sold about 60,000 copies in its first five months. And so as a result, uh, they ran out of options for keeping things going without laying off a bunch of its people. I'm trying to see if there's a number here. Uh, potentially, Lit off like most of their studio. Hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, given the current global economic context and season's financial results, we have been left with no choice to make the difficult decision of downsizing the studio to a smaller, sustainable group of game developers, which just means yeah. parting way with all but approximately 16 members of the Scavenger Studio team. So that's probably not a great number of people uh, there. I mean, that does highlight kind of the reality of game development is that uh, mm-hmm. you know, not all of them are going to hit and yeah. when they don't you know, they can put a studio under completely. Yeah. Um, 
Seems like they had a lot of people to work on this game uh, and did not get the sales they needed to justify that. Uh, And now they're going to be, I think as they said, working on a new gameplay-driven project while the studio claims it will provide financial and psychological support as well as extended health coverage benefits to those laid off. Uh, So that's good if they're getting severance uh, for that. That's good at the very least. So that's that's a decent way to handle it. Mm. Yeah, stay afloat Mm -hmm. while they get the Mm. look for a new job. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. More capitalism going on. Yep. And next up, the most capitalism of the week, uh, Niantic, uh, having tried to remake the same game half a dozen times at this point, has announced that they are laying off over 200 employees and scaling back developments on uh, a few titles as it narrows its focus towards basically making Pokemon Go. Mm. Uh, So they've canceled their upcoming Marvel game. They released an NBA game earlier this year that they are shutting down, Mm. uh, as well as I don't know what else they have that might be in uh, that's out, uh, but... Yeah, they do have Minecraft one. I don't know if that was them or if that was Microsoft. Uh, I'm not sure who that was. The Minecraft game. No, they they don't have Minecraft game. Yeah, that that got shut down. Pikmin Bloom they still have going. Uh, Peridot, which they're trying to get people to play. Ingress, which has been around for a long time. And yeah, they've got Monster Hunter now coming out at some point. Uh, But Pokemon Go is their top priority as they try to figure out what people want because I. Uh, the most recent thing I've heard about that is they put an update that uh, had a bug that people really liked because it made the game better. And they said, we can't have this. We have to fix this as soon as possible, uh, which seems to be the thing of like anything that makes the game better, they get rid of it as quickly as possible. And the things that uh, make people like the game less, they're like, well, we'll, we'll fix it eventually. We, we can't, we can't have our player base enjoying themselves. It's just, that's not how this works. Uh, that was the worst part of the pandemic is, allowing people to not have to leave their homes to do some of this stuff. Uh, and they're like, no, we need you all to leave and risk your lives for our game. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, bummer of an, out- of an announcement. Obviously, like mm-hmm. Niantic, a leader uh, in mobile gaming, sort of. Uh, yeah. Like, well, they're definitely a leader in AR, at least. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. in AR, definitely. But, like, you know, I don't think there's there's a certain person who thought Pokemon would. You know, Pokemon is a very powerful IP, and yeah. when you send people out in the world to catch these AR guys, yeah, mm. successful. Yeah. Obviously, it was most time where they were just trying to figure it out, even making it money, and the game evolved since then, and mm-hmm. something something totally uh, different. But at the same time, like the, the core gameplay is there, and like the game is. Uh, but it's weird though because um you know working in mobile gaming myself like the or it seems like just 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 from reading um, Twitter comments is like the people that come that are complaining the most are um are people that want a certain feature that they have to and was okay maybe if they undid that they would have like made the money the money they had to the other studios open but yeah like the the, the reason why I ask about the success of Pokemon is you can't just expect Pokemon success to translate over to NBA. Or Marvel, like they're all gonna they're all gonna be there for their own reasons. You're not gonna catch a basketball player and use them in fight called slavery. Um, you're not gonna do the same thing with Marvel. 
you're not really recruiting a team because so yeah like it's it's stuff like that and you know i i empathize for anybody that works at typically works at places because you know the, the the talent pool right now in in gaming free agency is really really huge like just to put it to perspective i actually applied for a job with nba and uh yeah it's a good thing i didn't get it because i'd probably be out of a job um and yeah. Like, yeah, knowing that there's people like in in mobile gaming or just gaming free agency that there's that there's people out there better than me is like it, it sucks there's a lot of people who interviewed me who don't have jobs right now. and um mm-hmm. yeah like you gotta feel for them like when this happened like maybe like four years ago people would be like oh yeah don't worry it takes, it takes care of itself and that's always been the case but it's it's been harder now like i know people who um uh lost their jobs at other companies and still like you know six months in now uh, been able to it's scary. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you hope that uh, these companies continue to just just find a way. But at, at the end of the day, like it just goes to show that like not everything will work. Like Phil said, like if you have one failure, that's good enough to close a studio. Expectations um, yeah. these days are are not what they used to be. And at the same time, everyone wants to have a game as a service. Everybody wants to have a game that you know you will only play. Everybody wants to have some sort of single play. A studio can't do everything. Um, no. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hire the right people, and at the same time, like you have to have like the right amount of KPIs to make them work. Like you know, we we talked about Perfect Dark uh, last week or two weeks ago, and like they're 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 going through their own hell despite having so many veterans in the industry. So yeah, every situation is different. And like I said hopefully the people who have uh, who lost their jobs land on their feet. But yeah, I, I empathize with them. They're really, it's a really hard time right now. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a lot of the a lot of Niantic's thing post Pokemon Go was like, what brands can we partner with to make a, a game that's similar to this? Uh, yeah, so yeah. Like Harry Potter and some of this other stuff was like, it doesn't work yeah. for everything, hmm. uh, unfortunately. But yeah, it's the sort of thing where they you know they've tried this a bunch and it's like it mostly yeah. just works for Pokemon. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean Niantic has some really good tech there. It's just. Uh, this this whole uh, you know geo located type gameplay just doesn't work for for everyone. Like, like Dan Reb said, they gotta figure something else out because they they've got some really good tech that they could use, but they have to figure out new ways to use it. Yeah, and oftentimes with mobile gaming, um, one of the ways that they they, they do, the, do their testing is by like testing it in like some nondescript territory. Like a lot of games are going to be tested in Canada or the Philippines first to see if they take off. Canada is going to be the closest to what, what, what they can do in America, and then they're going to see what they're spending their money on. What makes Niantic uh, different is the fact that, yeah, they're actually relying on new and uh, innovative ways to use their technology. Uh, it's not always going to be about microtransactions, and like, that's what yeah. actually makes them uh, attractive as a company. But seeing them like, you know, close a studio down for a game that hasn't even come out yet like, just goes to show that even though you have the innovation, you still got to make the money somewhere. Like, at yeah. the end of the day, um, the game that you publish not only has to pay the salaries for everybody that, that works on it, but it also has to pay, like, for, for the building they're in. And, like, yeah. not every game can do that, uh, especially if it doesn't make m- money in an evergreen way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Niantic's story. Mm-hmm. And the next one, we'll get to the, the the story here is at least not about capitalism. Uh, CD Projekt Red has been talking, you know, 
uh, doing PR and such uh, around the new expansion for Cyberpunk 2077 uh, kind of stuff and talking to people about uh, the game and all that. And uh, in an interview with uh, GameIndustry.biz, CD Projects mm-hmm. VP of PR and Communication, Michael Plakow-Jaluski, talked about the game's journey to get to this point and the proposed redemption arc that Cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. has been on since it launched uh, less than three years ago, December of 2020, yeah. uh, where, you know, the, the launch happened, uh, the PS4 mm-hmm. and Xbox One uh, versions particularly were just full of uh, bugs. It was unfinished, you know, yep. to the point that all the major, uh, you know, digital retailers said, you know, took in refunds without any questions asked as a result of that. Yeah. But according to Michael, he actually could not finish the game. Like you, the game, it literally could not get past this without any kind of updates because one particular part of the game was just completely, it was un, literally unbeatable because the da- the damage boxes didn't work. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, but for Michael here, that wasn't actually what happened. Uh, I actually believe Cyberpunk on launch was way better than it was received. And even the first reviews were positive. Then it became a cool thing to not like it. Uh, we went from hero to zero really fast. That was a tough moment. Uh, we didn't know what was happening. We knew that the game is great. Yes, we can improve it. Yes, we need to take time to do it. And we need to rebuild some stuff. That took us a lot of time. But I don't believe we were ever broken. We were always like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. You, you, no. you didn't play the game, did you? <laughs> yeah, either he wasn't there when that happened, and that's just yeah. the, the impression you give. Yeah. Or he's just being... Trying to act like that didn't actually happen. That's not part of this game's story. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, you just have to own it as a thing that, like, yeah, uh, that's, you know, why this new expansion's not on those consoles, because we just couldn't push those any further. Yeah, uh, That's why we, you know, got the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S versions out there with the free upgrades and all that, because we wanted people to get to, you know, a more stable version of that game. That kind of stuff, you kind of just own it and move on and say, like, Hey, you know, this sucked. We, you know, regret doing that, but we've done a lot of work since then to make it a better, more complete experience, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the one thing you don't want to do is tell people that their experiences didn't actually happen. Yeah. Uh, that they were just memeing against Did, the game. I will give him one thing because uh, if you were playing Cyberpunk on PC or, believe it or not, on Stadia, you actually did have a better experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least if your PC was good enough. Yeah. Um, I want to, I, I want to jump on that topic. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like what Phil said, like when, when you think about the people that really didn't experience m- much of an issue, who were they? They were the people mm-hmm. playing on PC. They were the people playing on crazily enough stadia. And they were the people playing on Xbox series X. Um, but you know, at that time, who had a current gen console to begin with? Everybody that bought it and excited for it had PS4s and Xbox ones. Yeah. So, you know, like. Yeah, you can't just shift the narrative. You know, it's like exactly. these things happened, despite the fact that, you know, there were people that did have a good experience. There were many, many more people that did not. You can't just deny that. 
this game was hyped for like what three to six years and all yeah. they showed were like high performance demo builds not everybody has high performance yeah. so yeah yeah um like i even stopped playing the game because i had a point that i couldn't um and i was playing on sirius x mind you um there was a point mm-hmm. where i couldn't just get like uh i had to like shoot a um helicopter out of the air with a grenade launcher i actually left the building without a grenade launcher so i was shooting it with um, a pistols and my fists. And I, you know, I can't shoot a helicopter with my fists, right? So I couldn't beat no, the game. Really <laughs> worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you just can't sit here and try to deny the experiences that yeah. that happened. Uh, you, know, you don't see uh, Sean from Hello Games being like, "Yo, you guys, you know, claim you didn't like No Man's Sky at launch, but that's not really what happened." Uh, no. It was just a lot of shitty people being. Uh, shitty about it since like no plenty of people yeah. didn't like it there's also uh, a lot of people that did like it at launch uh yeah. the style of game that that was at that time yeah i mean and they did it right i mean they just put their heads down and got to it and f- fixed it you know yeah on the positive side like as, as far as i know they've they've fixed cyberpunk right? like it's all good now basically yeah so, yeah for the most part Good on yeah. them for that, but like, th- th- this yeah. has to be said. No, I- absolutely mm-hmm. not. And the main thing is, like, you know, everybody looked at CDPR as like, oh, cool, yeah, they're they're the next generation, right? And yeah, your three was, and yeah, Saturday Punk happens, and guess what? You can't trust anybody. So, <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Oops. Uh, Cyberpunk's issue issues are things they could not fix in updates, mm-hmm. uh, just like things that are maybe janky about it in ways that are like. You'd have to just remake the entire game, restart development, but they're not going to do that. Yeah, it's also a pure example of overpromising. So when people are saying they're 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 overhyping, like you know, the cyberpunk hate, I'm like, maybe you shouldn't have overpromised to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's it for the proper stories here. Uh, we got a little bit more to talk about here in the Annapurna Interactive Showcase. We're not going to talk about everything that's in here, uh, but mm-hmm. we do have some interesting stuff. Uh, for that, uh, yeah, we'll go through some of the stuff here. There's Co- uh, Cocoon that's been shown at some of the indie showcases during Summer Game Fest. Uh, they finally confirmed a date, September 29th. Uh, this will be PS5, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, that's a, a game that looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, from Jeppe Carlson, lead gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside, uh, mm-hmm. is leading the studio, new studio that is working on this yeah. game. Yeah. That looks really cool. Uh, for that, uh, so that's one of the games here that got uh, some buzz. Uh, another one here, Lush Foil Photography Sim. That looks yeah. really neat. Um, it's kind of an exploration game where you're just taking uh, photographs uh, of the environments and all that kind of stuff. Uh, looks really cool for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not a not a concept that hasn't been done already, but you know, yeah, it's it hasn't been overdone. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Africa. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is going to be as like objective based for it. Yeah. Um, so that's neat. Uh, yeah, they announced that they are publishing this game uh, from yeah. developer Matt Newell. Not sure what he has done otherwise, yeah. uh, but that's cool. Uh, they also announced they were working on or publishing a game coming out of Kyoto, uh, Maro Mitu Games, mm-hmm. uh, the studio behind Captain Star One, uh, uh, tentatively titled Project D. 
so that's looking neat from the little teaser that they showed for this. Uh, that looks neat. It's a lot of developer interview stuff for that. But, uh, yeah, it's got some neat stuff there. Uh, let's see. To a T is another notable game. This is Keita Takahashi's new game uh, with his studio, Uvula. And uh, it's called To a T. Uh, they're partnering with Able Gamers for this uh, game. Uh, it's about a character that, uh, yeah, 3D narrative adventure game, uh, plays a teenager, teen, uh, with a unique posture, just trying to live life in a, uh, live a normal life in a small coastal town. Uh, mm. The unique posture is that they are always in a T pose. Uh, if you know your gaming okay. lingo, <laughs> uh, so this is a team that's kind of going around doing their daily stuff. Uh, but cannot put their arms down. That's yeah. yeah that would be a very, very uh, difficult uh, disability to deal with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're just kind of controlling this character, doing their stuff. Other uh, different um, mini games you'll run into throughout your daily life. Yeah, like trying to eat food and drink water, uh, petting dogs, eating breakfast, all that kind of stuff how to do that, but you can explore your town. Uh, there's character customization, uh, yeah, buying clothes and that kind of stuff to change up your wardrobe, uh, that kind of thing, as well as uh, take care of your cute dog. So uh, that looks cool. That's only on Xbox and PC, as well as Game Pass. Uh, so we'll check that out whenever it's done. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this one's looking pretty neat. Ghost Bike. Uh, this yeah. is uh, from developer Messhoff, uh, coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC uh, in 2024. That'll also be on Game Pass. Uh, it puts players in the shoes of a streetwise kid from Freehub City on a mission to revive the last of the ghost bikes, the magical couriers who rode between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Uh, you ride the ghost bike to the afterlife and save the lost souls of the wheel world. <laughs> abandoned and forgotten the ghost uh, the ghost bike needs repair bikes need maintenance this one is on its last link beat ghosts in contest of speed and skill to win back ghost power only then uh, can you make the journey to the afterworld and return the true spirit of biking back to wheel world so uh, it's a very weird premise and story but looks really cool yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for that so that's uh, one you can check out I uh, don't think they have a date yet. 2024. Uh, let's see here. There is, yeah, an uh, action RPG game called We Kill Monsters. Uh, PC only, no date for it just yet. Uh, but this yeah. looks very much uh, uh, like a neat game. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you deal with homunculi uh, in this. Yeah. Kind of hard to describe this one. Uh, but yeah, you're trying to go around killing enemies, that kind of stuff, and uh, doing a lot of weird stuff, I guess. Mm. So yeah, that looks neat. Uh, let's see. Also on here... Yeah, this one looks neat. Beauty Star, The Morose Tale of Graveyard Clem. Uh, this yeah. is a 3D action game. Uh, they've delayed this. It was supposed to be out this year, but it'll be early 2024, but it'll be on... Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, uh, PC, 
as well as Game Pass. Uh, it's over-the-shoulder 3D action game where you are playing uh, a woman that is also uh, controlling a big uh, mech. Uh, so it's kind of a shell mech kind of thing where you're uh, exposed, but you got guns on the mech as well as your own guns. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but along the way, you're also able to do some farming and base building stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. that looks really neat. It's got like a real sort of space western vibe to it, and you know, I fucks with that. So yeah. I will definitely be looking at this next year when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. They also shut off Stray is coming to Xbox on August 10th, so yep. no game mm-hmm. pass for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Thirsty Suitors is coming to everything PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC on yep. November 2nd. So that's another. Cool that I'm looking forward to seeing just because of how balls-to-the-wall crazy it is. <laughs> yeah, it's from Outer Loop Games, who's made like Falcon Age uh, and some mm-hmm. other stuff here, but uh, yeah, it is noteworthy because it is a sort of a, a relationship game, uh, but dealing with, you know, having a uh, family of Indian parents, you know, yeah. dealing with your, all the culture stuff that goes around that of them mm-hmm. trying to dictate who you should date and all that. Yeah. Uh, turning things into literal like RPG fights uh, mm-hmm. against your family and friends and that as you try and date the person you want and uh, deal with the, the family's uh, objections to that in some wild yep. ways. Also, there's a lot of skateboarding as well. That's uh, another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's For one of the ways you can get around. So, yeah, yeah kind of like a if you mix Indian culture with like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, pretty much. That's like almost exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll also be on game pass. So that's one you can check out. Uh, and they, yeah. And they ended on the first internal game that Annapurna interactive is uh, ever announced uh, blade runner mm-hmm. 2020 or 2033 labyrinth. Uh, yeah, consoles and PC, no date yet, uh, but just, yeah, kind of a teaser, uh, sort of the first Blade Runner game in the last 25 years. Yeah, I mean, there was the remaster of the original that happened uh, a while back, but yeah, I think that might have gotten people interested in having something new, so yeah, this is going to be something new, <laughs> but what it is, we don't yeah. know. Yeah, I assume based on the type of game that Annapurna Interactive makes, it'll probably be more of a narrative adventure kind of game, maybe with some action in there. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Probably at least lots of talking, because that's what those movies have been about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, neat, and uh, that'll largely do it. Uh, there's links to everything that was shown off uh, if you want to look at uh, trailers and whatnot that they showed off, so mm-hmm. that's worth... Uh, checking out but uh yeah that's gonna do it for the show this week yep. uh thank you to brandon dan reb and filippo for joining this week no problem always uh we'll be back next week with a new slate of news uh for you to check out and uh for us to talk about and uh you know if you enjoy the show if you're to let friends and family know they should check it out and select strangers uh then we'll also check out uh, the weird biking game or Thirsty Suitors, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
because uh, those are cool looking games uh, for people to be uh, looking forward mm. to. So yeah, definitely uh, check that stuff out. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a good week ahead, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.